0: Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your penetrating word, always liberating, always emancipating, always empowering, always provoking us, initiating holiness in us, God, pointing us in the right direction, enlightening us to what life is truly all about, Father. Thank you for not just saving us, but teaching us what the Christian faith is. It is a marathon race to see you face to face, Father God. It's the race that you set before. It's not a race we take upon ourselves. God, you put us in this wonderful race of faith. And God, we don't do it alone. We keep our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith, your Son. God, we ask you to breathe upon this sermon today. God, let it bring encouragement and hope and faith where people need it, Lord God. Let it bring enlightenment to others who have never heard of it before, Father God. And if anybody who is faint-hearted in their fight against sin, let it encourage and strengthen them and embolden them for who Christ is and what Christ has done and what Christ will do again. So bless us all, we ask, Father God, as we hear your word, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. amen. Uh, I've continue to focus on uh, sin and temptation over the last month, maybe five weeks, and I'll do it probably for well, at least two to four weeks. As I shared in the pulpit uh, earlier on in July that many ministers of late have fallen into sin, men of renown, men of great ministries, uh, some... 10,000 large have fallen into sin, and uh, this is going over the the period of the last two years, but someone recently has fallen, and and it just made me take a step back and to realize just how serious sin is. And if we're not careful as a congregation we can, and and individuals, we can forget the serious tone that the Scriptures teach us about sin. And we've been going through this over the weeks. Uh, The first week I spoke about uh, the mistake of it can't happen to me. And we spoke out of 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul says that, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands uh, take heed, means be careful, lest he fall. And we shared about those ministers, the last thing they thought they were going to ruin their ministries and ruin maybe their marriages and and so on and so forth. Anybody can really think they're above something. And we've got to be careful. And the reason for that is a week later we spoke about the deceitfulness of sin out of this same book, Hebrews, in the third chapter when he says, But exhort one another, that means Christians exhort and encourage everyone each day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. So we saw how we could think we're above it. Uh, and one of the reasons is the deceitfulness, a better word, is seducing power of sin to really think that you know i can toy with something and and maybe get away with it for many months even many decades but i'm gonna tell you right now you toy with sin too long it's gonna get you it'll get you it'll get me as those ministers i'm speaking about i don't use their name we love them we care for them when i'm judging them but when someone falls god uses if i were to fall you use me as an example If someone falls, you use them as an example. Not to judge, but to warn and encourage other Christians, be careful of these things. Sin is seducing and it's deceitful and it can get us without knowing it. That's why we don't neglect the fellowship of preaching and prayer and one-on-one fellowship so that the deceitfulness of sin doesn't take us over because deceitfulness of sin is synonymous with self-deception. It goes hand-in-hand. We're easily self-deceived people. Easily. So we got to encourage, we got to be accountable to each other. I need to hear someone say, how are you doing in that area of your life? And they have the reason to say that because I've told them about that area of my life because I don't want to fall to the seducing power of sin. So I tell my wife, I tell the elders, I tell friends, this is something in my life. I've been doing that for 25 years. I don't want to end up a statistic. Amen. We spoke last week about the militants of sin. First Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Second Peter 2.11 And that word wage war is used three times in scripture for waging war or being a soldier. And we see the militant stands of sin as taking a soldier's stance against us, these inner passions, that if we're not careful, they're waging war. They want to destroy us from the inside out. And of course, we spoke about how to overcome that. The Lord doesn't want us being paranoid by these inner passions. He just wants us to be careful. That's all we got to do. There's nothing like honesty, integrity, and transparency to overcome all sin. Honesty, honesty, integrity and transparency empowers us over any passion of the flesh tonight we're going to look at something else I'm going to do it in a little different way tonight we'll look at another characteristic of sin that was in our text here and it easily entangles us it's like a trap it all goes back to being seduced by it, the deceitfulness of it, to wage war against it, to make the mistake. It can't happen to me, and it's it's easy. It's not hard to sin. You know I mean? You can smile, you can laugh, be lighthearted. I know no one falls into sin in this. Life. I know we're perfect in this group. But the, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is take sin seriously because if you don't, you easily fall into it. You got one other. What's the option you want to choose? If I take it seriously and I watch over the deceitfulness, I walk in integrity, I walk in honesty, I walk in transparency, I can walk strong. If my eyes aren't fixed on Christ, then guess what? It's easy to sin. It's simple. It doesn't take much. There are old sins waiting for me, and there are new sins waiting for me. They're waiting to get you. They're waiting to get us. But I chose chosen to, to speak on uh, two of these verses breaking it down one by one and uh, putting it all together. The writer of Hebrews holds out this great metaphor. The, the New Testament does this as the Christian life is a race to be run. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful metaphor that would have gripped the first readers in the, in the Greek culture to the Olympic Games. They, they understood athletes. They understood hard training. Uh, they would have understood exactly... What the writer was saying when he uses the metaphor of run the race that was set before you of a long... Distance. They didn't have sprints back then. It was all marathon running. They understood. they seen hard training. They understood this metaphor, and they were able to aptly apply it to their Christian life. It's an endurance race. They knew it. The Christian life isn't a sprint. It isn't like, oh, I'm in, you know... And we've seen now, you know, I'll sign up, I'll do anything, and three weeks later, guess what? You can't find the person. Because Christianity is not a sprint, it's a thought out, mapped out life, of, uh, faith of life. Period. It's not what I can do today, given it all, and then burnt out next week. No. The Christian life is a race to be won because Christ has won it already for us. This is the faith. Handed over to us. And he's the author and the perfecter of it. He gives us examples, he gives us encouragements to run. He also gives us warnings, warnings of things that can slow us down and and hinder performance and cause someone to stumble. Again, the first century believers would have, there was an apt metaphor. They would have saw the analogy of people that trained, if they trained with heavy clothing, that they would actually train with something what we used to use. We don't do no more ankle weights. They would use certain weights around them, and they would run with that. And then you would take them off, and it would help you. But, of course, it's a training tool. It's not something you actually engage in the race in. So, they would have understood these things that hinder, and we'll speak about these things. 1924 in Paris, in July, was the Eighth Olympics, and I think many of you have seen The Chariots of Fire. I mean, it's a a great movie, it it has Christian overtones to it. And a man named Eric uh, Lydell, uh, he was a Scottish man, and he was training to run the 100 meter. And he trained very good, he was quite fast. He was a Christian young man born of Chinese uh, missionaries. and, uh, And he was fast. He was very fast and he knew it. But he was more devout Christian than he was an athlete. After missing a prayer meeting one night, his sister Jenny came over to him and accused him of not caring about God anymore. Missed one prayer meeting. I'm glad she's not in here. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe we could use a couple of jennies around here but anyway she beat him up a little bit and he told his sister that when he runs he feels divinely inspired that was his words and he says this and not to run would to be dishonored God saying that he believed that God made him for this very purpose to run and when he ran he said this I felt God's pleasure he felt God's pleasure but months before the race he found out that the 100 meter was on Sunday and he chose months before not to run in the race after training many years for it months of ridicule, follow uh, of mocking uh, from teammates, coaches parliament, citizens the tabloids ripped into him for many months Uh, the 100-yard meter came, and when he came, he chose to be in a a church preaching the gospel. It was told to him on Tuesday that he could run in the 200-meter race, which he did. He came in third. And on Wednesday, he could run in the 400-meter race, which he chose to do. And in the 400-meter race, which he never trained for, he won the gold medal and set a world record. And it reminds me of 1 Samuel 2.30 when uh, Samuel says, But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, says God, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And Eric uh, Liddell is the picture of modern day honoring God under all uh, persecution, allegations, uh, they called him a fanatic, a religious fanatic, because he would not engage in the games on a Sunday. Parents won't even allow their children not to play baseball today on a Sunday to honor God and go to church. As a matter of fact, some families, will not you won't even see their kids in church on a Sunday because it's in the way of sports. What a far cry we've come to. How far? When are we going to, all of us, honor God? When will we all say no? Sunday is the day of worship, period. I rest in Christ. I don't rest on the couch. I go to church to find out how I rest in Christ for eternity. Not just to take some time off because I need to kick back. He went on into the Christian mission with his parents after that, where he died under Japanese-occupied China in World War II. Young man. That's what we have here in our text tonight, a devotion to God. In spite of the world's criticisms and persecutions, 2,000 years ago, they were being persecuted, this church of Hebrews from Jews and from Romans and from the Greeks. It's about overcoming sin, or I should say overcoming sin is not accomplished by doing hand-to-hand combat. It's not like waking up and I'm saying, oh, I got a battle of flesh and Satan in the world today. And I'm going to go, no, you don't, you don't fight sin by waking up and fighting it one-on-one. But rather, sin's power has been dealt a heavy blow once our hearts are finally committed to follow Jesus. That's when you win the battle. That's when I win the battle. I don't win the battle when it's facing me, the temptations right here. I won the battle 25 years ago when I said I'm through with sin. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to be water baptized and I'm going to follow him. That's when the power of sin is broken. That's when. Often people come to me and say, I try hard, I try hard and I listen. I said, but you haven't made the commitment to follow Christ. You make a commitment in your heart to follow Christ. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith now. And now you keep your eyes on Him, and He's going to pull you through. Once we have engaged our hearts to run the race, that's the Christian life, that God lays out before us, we already have a sense of victory. Paul Ready. Double mindedness is a sure prescription to failure. It was Churchill who said, He who fails to plan is planning to what? Planning to fail. Athletes know this. And so should Christians. Our writers been our writers to the Hebrews have been encouraging this church to faithful living in God for the last twelve chapters. He just wrote one of the great chapters in all the New Testament uh, of all these all-stars in the Old Testament, these saints that lived a Christian life. He wrote to so many about these Old Testament saints throughout Israel's history who made the hard choices for God and remained faithful in their own time, going all the way back to Abel and all the way up to the prophets. He laid out before them, How each one made the hard choice in their life. The faithful choice. Remember, the hard choice is the faithful choice. Eric Lydell made that faithful choice to the Lord of something that was hindering. It wasn't sin to run on Sunday. But he knew it was a hindrance. He chose not to. He made the hard choice for God. Even though they suffered for it, they were making a statement that God's promises of reward are better than the passing pleasures of sin. And so he encourages them first by way of example. In verse 1 he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, before we move any further, don't think that these people can see us. They're dead and they're in heaven. They're alive spiritually. They're not omniscient. When someone dies, they don't see you. They don't hear you. I could possibly say this. They probably don't even care about you right now. If they're in heaven, they're fixed on Christ. Because they know that Christ is fixed on us. They can't see. They witness to us and to others by their life though they are dead their life still speaks that's what it means these readers of the book of Hebrews were Jews they would have understood their old testaments they would have saw the faithfulness that the writer was pointing to, that no matter what, they were faithful to God, to the end In the worst, the most trying, persecuting times, they were sword in half, their children were taken, they were given over to starvation, they were imprisoned, no matter what it was, they stayed, remained faithful to God. And that's what he's saying too. You have such this great crowd of witnesses, just study their life, read your Bible, look what they did, they'll inspire you, their life will inspire you. Others have done before you and have left you a legacy. For us today, it's Eric Lydell. For others, it's our moms, it's our dads, it's our friends, it's pastors. God always provides good role models. Always. There's not a man sitting here, a woman sitting here that can't say that God has not put someone steadfast in my life. You can't say, well, Pastor, I never met a faithful man in my life. Well, maybe that's true to one sense. You study Christ even twice as hard then. But the truth of the matter is, we all know, we all need people to lean on. We all uh, have admiration for others who have gone before us in the faith. I certainly have. I look back over the years of being saved 25 years, and I remember when I first got saved, the people that meant a lot to me. They meant a lot. When they opened up their mouth, I listened. I was eager to run the race. I wanted to hear what they had to say. I did not want to be the know it all. My great years of being a know it all got me into worse than all troubles. Now I just wanted to be a listener of God's word and a doer. God always provides great role models for us. He goes on to say, Let us lay aside, I'm using the NIV, the NIV on this, I think it says it a little more clearer. Let us lay aside every weight that hinders us, that hinders us, and these aren't necessarily sin, but I'll tell you what they are, they're distractions from running the race, things that keep us from a full, fervent, zealous devotion to God, There's something inspiring, I'm an athlete, I've been an athlete all my life, I try to keep it up, even though I'm in my mid-50s, and there are times when I'm just, I'm lethargic, and I can see someone training, the sweat pouring off, and I'm going, I get inspired by that. I like that. I need to see that. I need to see someone training and, and getting through it. And, and that inspires me. And so it is spiritually. There are times we can walk with apathy in our spiritual life, faith could be low. And I need to be around faithful people that inspires me to live. And it reminds me of what my life is all about. It's about Jesus and running the race with endurance and being faithful to God and not get caught up in the hindrances of, of life. These things that keep us from full devotion to God aren't necessarily sin, but they can aid sin's seducing, deceiving powers. By making us weak in spirit, it undermines the, it undermines strength. It's like an athlete who smokes, drinks, parties, eats too much. You know, sooner or later, it catches up to them. In 1990, Mike Tyson was 38 and 0. Unstoppable. Arguably the best heavyweight puncher ever. And he was fighting a man named Buster Douglas in Japan. Who was really not all that great. But Douglas came prepared. And guess what Tyson was doing up until that point? Partying. And it was probably the biggest upset in heavyweight history. In the 10th round, Buster Douglas knocked him out. Only time he saw the canvas. That was the first time he saw the canvas. It was a major upset. And the reason for is that he allowed things to hinder him from his race, pure and simple. He should have never lost that fight. On paper, he's the man. But instead of training for the race that was set before him as an athlete, he ate and drank because he thought he can get away with it. And he underestimated Buster Douglas, who actually came in in great shape and took some heavy punches. I can remember the fight. I remember it's 25 years ago I remember watching the fight. And it was a stunning upset. Stunning upset. Mike Tyson wasn't prepared. He took it for granted. He listened to the hype that you can't lose to this guy and just kept on partying away. For Christians, it might not be sin, but a lack of fellowship. Two times in this epistle... He mentions the lack of fellowship to encourage each other as it is today. And he goes on in the 10th 10th chapter to say, uh, do not neglect the fellowship of the saints. You know, we can easily step back and, you know, just get caught up. You know, one year, 52 Sundays, I was at church. The second year, 52 Sundays, I was at church. Third year, it was 40% that was at church. And we keep record. And you can see decline in people. You see the decline. There's no reason for decline. That's taken for granted that I'm winning the battle against sin, Satan, the world, seduction, and temptation. I'm doing all right. That's what David said when he was looking at Bathsheba. I'm not bad. I'm doing okay. I should be at war with the kings, but it's the springtime and instead of being at war and the race that was set before me is the king, I'm going to chill out and look at my best friend Uriah's wife who's bathing on the roof And the rest is history. The rest is history. Those pastors I'm talking about, they preached faithfully every Sunday. I listened to their sermons. I was encouraged, inspired by their sermons. But their personal devotion of heart to Jesus was getting cold. They were serving the people, but they weren't worshiping the Lord. You can get so caught up in your occupation. I can get so caught up in ministry that I can forget That I'm here to worship and serve Christ. That's my first priority. Not to prepare a sermon. Not to do counseling. Not to do men's Bible studies. My first devotion in life is to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And to run the race that's set before me. And then from there I can do all the other things. These pastors I'm speaking about are good men. Good family men. But something died. Something died. Lack of fellowship is inexcusable. Hobbies can be a distraction. Hobbies can take over. Something that's good. Something that's a healthy distraction. Something that gives me life. Something that's a gift from God. It can be a gift from God. All of a sudden it becomes all all inclusive. It becomes an obsession. And all of a sudden, this working out becomes, i gotta, I got to lose five more pounds. i got to lift more, ten more. i got to get to the gym. And all of a sudden, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this. Oh, and yet, church can wait. A fellowship can work. Bible, Bible study can wait. It can all wait. And guess what? Guess, guess what else is waiting? Sin. Waiting right there. Oh, look at this one. Getting lukewarm. I'll sit back and just read the paper. Now put the Bible aside, another half hour TV show. All these things that aren't necessarily sin could easily become hindrances to us. And before you know it, I'll ask you, are you a Christian man? Are you a Christian woman? Are you here today? Tell me, is your zeal like it was the first six months you were saved? What happened? I know when I grow cold, I know what it is by God's grace. I know what I got to do. I got to repent and and I got to get back to where I know I'm supposed to be. And not because I'm a pastor. Because I love Christ and I love my wife. And for me to be a good husband, to be a good pastor, be a good Christian, I got to love Christ. He's got to be first. All these things could be distractions. and, And how they distract is my mind has no time for proper, profitable Reflection on God's word has none. I asked the congregation, when's the last time you sat down to a good inspiring book about Christ? When's the last time you sat down on your own and opened up the word of God with tears in your eyes and say, God, I thank you that men died for this word? When's the last time? What's the distraction? These are the things that hinder. They're not sin, but they weaken our spiritual disposition. How about fear of man's opinions? Well, you know, brother, that's it's not politically correct. We don't say that around here. Well, we do. Don't let political correctness squash your zeal for truth. That's what was happening in this book. The Jewish synagogue was attacking them and saying Jesus is not the way. Moses is the way. Aaron is the high priest. Joshua brought us into the promised land. Angels are there for us. And the author saying, no, Christ is greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron. Jesus Christ is the temple. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is the high priest. Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of faith. It's not by the law anymore. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Get back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Don't go back into religion. You go back there, you're lost. Don't worry about what people are saying. It's the same thing today in America. Don't worry about what people are saying. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and despise the shame they throw at you. Period. Fear of man is a great hindrance to people's faith. Relationships. Easy Listen. Bad company corrupts good morals. Who's speaking life into me, or who's speaking death? You know, death by even good friends sometimes comes in a very subtle way, as way of wearing down. Went golfing the other day. Man, I like I like him a lot. He knows who I am. She had faith with him all the time. But I wasn't I wasn't careful. And by the 18th hole, an inappropriate thing was said, and I giggled. Trust me, that's not who I am. It just shows me how careful you have to be. Do that every day. Don't go to church. Don't pray. Don't read the Bible. Do that every day. Sooner or later, bad company corrupts even good men. It'll happen. That's just a small example. Example. When it comes to these are some of the hardest decisions a Christian have to make because it's not necessarily sin. To put things aside to make profitable relation with Christ a priority. When it's sin, it's easy. You say, brother, you're in sin. The Bible says this. You're in fornication. I mean, how many places do I got to show you? This is sin. That's easy to deal with. Uh, gossip is sin. Uh, judgment, criticizing, drunkenness it, this, is, this is a party spirit It has nothing to do with a Christian's life that, That's easy to deal with That's tangible But when you're dealing with the intangible stuff it's like, I know it's a hobby, but be careful it's, it's consuming a little too much time and energy I know you like to read, but be careful what you read Spend some time with the Lord first I know you like, am I right? These are the things that, you know, we got to be careful We don't want to be legalistic and that's what the writer is doing. He's not being legalistic, but he is saying, "Be careful where all your time and energies are going. Are you spending good quality time with the Lord? Everyone in this room, everyone who's called by the called Christ Lord, understands that sooner or later we'll have to put something down that's not sin, just for the sake of remaining zealous for God. Not sin, but I realize there are certain things in my life I got to make sure do not captivate or motivate me more than my love for." The Lord. And i got to be reminded of that quite often. He talks about the sin which clings so closely. This is on the hindrances. These are The, the sin that, that clings so closely, is, what he's saying is the sin that's so obvious in our life. Sin in general is easy to fall into if someone has not purpose in their heart to follow Christ. When you purpose, if you purpose yourself to follow Christ, let me tell you something. It's not so easy to fall into sin. There is a there is a process it has to go through. My love for Christ, my accountability to the people, my transparency to people, my confession to God, my confession to other people, it has to go through a process before I actually start engaging in sin. But there are other obvious sins that grab our attention. You have your weaknesses, I have my weaknesses. There are certain things that are more easily for you but they wouldn't tempt me but there are things that tempt me that might not tempt you we all know our weaknesses we all know the sins we got. I know what I came out of the things I came out of 25 years ago it still calls my name it, it doesn't yell at me it doesn't, it doesn't have power over me it's not the last word over me but if I'm not careful I'll still entertain some of these thoughts and if I'm not careful I might entertain new thoughts it easily clings to. It doesn't give up so easily. You're a Christian any length of time. You know it doesn't give up so easily. When it comes to sin, every heart, every believer has to make several hard choices for God. And when you do like Eric Lydell, you, you feel God's pleasure because you're running the race set before you. Nobody sees what you're doing. No one sees you saying no to temptation. No one sees you making a hard choice. No one sees you going through the, your, your skin is crawling, saying your, your flesh is saying, you gotta be kidding me. You've been doing it for 30 years and now you're not. Now you're not. You did it yesterday and you're choosing now not to do it. You did it last night, and now you're choosing because you went to church and accepted Jesus, you're not gonna do it no more, and the flesh screams out and you say no and you make the hard choice for God. And for the first time in your soul's existence, you feel the pleasure of God. He goes on to say, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What he's doing here is encouraging to a new, renewed sense of priority and vision in their life. As Christians, we need to often, often be encouraged and, and have a renewed vision and a hope in Christ of what he's done for us and to live for the Lord and make sure that he's first in our life. We need that. And if, I, if I'm a regular member of the church and I'm fellowshipping regularly and I'm honoring God and attendance and love and, and fellowship and, 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 and service of the church, and chances are, chances are, what happens, that will remain fresh in my life. But even then, those pastors that fell were so engaged in ministry. These were national ministry. These were national movements. But somewhere in there, they lost their sense of priority. Do you know the only one that never lost their sense of priority was Christ? Hebrews eleven. If you're familiar with it, all these Old Testament saints and their faith, they all had failures too. All of them. The point wasn't wasn't that they failed, is that through their failures they remained faithful. Only Christ never failed and remained faithful. That's why he says this: Be renewed. Be goal oriented. Run the race that God set before you. Don't get caught up in other things. Have the strength of determination. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As we look down the race of faith that is set before us, it could look overwhelming. We all know the things in our life. We all know the shortcomings. We know the failures. We know the temptations. We all know if we try to look at where we're going to be, it could be, be daunting, it could be overwhelming. But seeing Jesus go step by step with us makes it both doable and enjoyable. I'll tell you right now if you're not enjoying Christ, your Christian life will be miserable. Be miserable. You were like the oldest son in Luke 16 it'll be miserable, you'll be all over the map but seeing Jesus go step by step with us we can have our role models and we should, we should have admiration for others and we should we should have pastors and we do we should have friends and elders and we do, but they're not Jesus so even though he spends a whole chapter chapter 11 saying there's these great cloud of witnesses he says don't look to them They'll speak to you through their life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's still alive. Keep your eyes on Christ. Only Jesus can empower and come to our aid in the nick of time. I can't ask Mary to help me. I can't ask the saints to help me. I can't ask my dead mother to help me. i got to go to Jesus. Only He can hear me. Only He can see me. Only He can deliver me. Only He can validate me. Only He can speak to my heart and know that I'm on the right course that was set before me. Only Jesus can empower us to live the Christian life. That's it. Anything that gets in the way of only Jesus... Is a hindrance. It's a hindrance to faith. And I'll close with this. In this verse, we have the dual attitude of Jesus' approach to his race. Do you know what his race was? The cross. Not a trick question. I see some puzzled faces over here. Not a rhetorical question. Jesus' race was to go to the cross. And this is how he did it. It says here, he despised the shame. You know what that means? He knew only criminals and outcast runaway slaves got crucified. When you got crucified, it was no I'm innocent, I'm innocent. There's no one advocating your innocency. You were guilty in front of the whole country. You were guilty of the worst crime, the worst offense, and the worst punishment. Torture and a slow death. It was meant for criminals. It was shameful, to thought, my uncle died on a cross. It's shameful, the thought. Your father, was that the guy who died on the cross? How much more your Savior died on the cross. It was shameful. And he despised the shame. He said, I will not let the shame, I will not let the thoughts of people determine my focus on my race to go to the cross. I despise, I scorn the scorn." I look at the shame of what people think about me as some fraud messiah, as some criminal, as some troublemaker. I despise their looks. I despise their thoughts. And I go to the cross. He would not allow anyone's negative thoughts, words, actions, of even nailing nails into his hands to stop him from going to the cross. He despised What people thought about it and all its implications. And the reason was for the joy set before him. It's a dual attitude. He did not allow the thoughts of others who don't follow God. Listen to me. Don't let the thoughts of a godless person determine your life. Don't let the thoughts of a godless person who does not put Jesus in their life first and foremost ever determine the outcome of your life. Ever. Family, friend, boss, wife, husband, don't let anyone who despises God determine your life. For the joy set before him. See, Jesus saw the finished product. He can endure the cross He can despise its shame. He can go through its murderous intentions. He can go through the mocking, the floggings, the torture, being spit on, being ridiculed. You saved others, but you can't save yourself. Come down off the cross if you are the son of God. No, he saw the joy of you and me standing here today free from sin and Satan and temptation. He saw the joy of you and me. And all the saints in the Old Testament, and all the saints for 2,000 years, he saw you and me saved by his blood. And God saw He sat down at God's right hand where he reigns forevermore. Do you know you will judge angels? Do you know you're a co heir with Christ? Do you know that the faith He has given us is perfect? Do you know you stand here perfect in the eyes of God only because Christ despised the shame? And the faith He gives is not. The, do you have faith in Christ? It's not yours, it's a gift. People believe in clouds, they believe in trees, they believe in. In minerals, they they believe in in this and they believe in that. What makes faith tangible and real and powerful is the object of our faith. Faith is a worthless trust system unless it's in Christ. Amen. It's worthless. People say, "Well, you got to believe in something." No, you can't believe in. You got to believe in the Son of God. Anything outside the Son of God is worthless. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it only leads to death. Let me close with these words. For the Christian, all sin is forgiven. But it's still dangerous. Very dangerous. All Christian fellowship, all our services, all our Bible studies, everything a Christian does, says, should always point us to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I come here, John preaches, or I preach, or We should always be pointing to Christ. That's it. That is it. No sidetrack, no novelties, no curiosities. I don't want to know what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want to know what Christ did 2,000 years ago, what he's doing for me right now, what the Holy Spirit is encouraging me in my heart to live faithful for Christ in this moral wilderness as I keep my eyes fixed on him, the author, a perfecter of my faith, so when I stand before him, I can stand before him unashamed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word. It's like a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and an arbitrator of the thoughts and intentions of our heart. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all the faithful role models you put in our life. But most of all, God, help us to fix our faith Fully on Christ and nothing else. God, I just pray for myself and all the saints here. Remove those distractions, those hindrances that are just slowing us up. They're not profitable. I'm free to do all things, but not all things are profitable, Paul says, Lord. So God, help us with the things that hinder us, the things that have gotten in the way and slow us down from zealously following you. Anything that gets in the way of Christian worship and Christian fellowship and our devotion to you and the word and prayer and worship, forgive us, Lord. And God, for anything that's, if any of you people here are just easily caught up in sin, I pray, God, that you wash them in the word today. I pray to have a renewed strength to follow Christ, a renewed fresh start, a renewed first love, a desire to put Christ first, Father God, and lay hold of him and him alone. We bless you in Jesus' name.